Welcome to Cardboard Conjecture, where podcasts about board games where we have opinions and conclusions formed on the basis of incomplete information. This episode of Cardboard Conjecture is brought to you by the great people at Gamesurplus.com. Hey there, this is season two. Episode one, and we're trying to keep it together before we even start of Cardboard Conjecture. I'm your host, Norm. I'm Ryan. And I'm Luke. And on today's episode, we're going to discuss the games. I don't know if you mentioned we had a surprise. We have a surprise. (laughs) We're going to discuss the games we played on our summer hiatus, and we're going to talk about our new season resolutions. City board gamers are proud to identify the good, the bored, and the ugly as our cardboard cohorts. In this growing community, it's important to create relationships that help you learn, grow, and support one another. You can find their podcast on iTunes and their channel on YouTube where they produce and create new content every week. Welcome back. This is Cardboard Conjecture, Season 2, Episode 1. We have plenty of surprises this episode. We're going to follow a different format. Usually, Ryan and I will talk about a game and we'll break it down in our own perspective from, you know, the educator perspective. But um, this show, Ryan, what's what's the first thing we're going to talk about? You take, you you tell us. Uh, Well, how about we just go about just... uh... In our little hiatus here, we've probably played a buttload of games and everything. Maybe we just highlight some of the ones that we really enjoyed over the past couple months. All right. What did what did you do on your summer holidays? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that, that, that question that students absolutely dread at the yeah. beginning of the school year. Well, students, what did you do? I played cardboard. <laughs> All right. I see uh I see Luke. Are you ready? I yeah, I hope better. so. There, we got Luke. I'm better. My my tech is healed. That's Yay! good. Oh. So, um, the uh, the first thing we're gonna talk about, Ryan. Um, I'm just gonna bring Luke in onto the loop. Is uh, um, as as mockery as 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 it is. What did you play on your summer holidays? <laughs> so, Luke, your uh, your episode one expansion pack. Luke, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. tell us, give us a game that you played this summer. Okay. Yeah, great. Um, well, I, I'll just first maybe just fill a little background. You had asked me what my Twitter handle was and whatnot yes. there, and I I should say oh, yeah. uh, I'm uh, I'm co-running uh, Hatanuga, which is a primarily an 18xx uh, Twitter account that's also connected to a convention that takes place um, May long weekend here in Canada in Medicine Hat, Alberta. And uh, we've been growing that convention now. This is the, the we ran it the second year this last May, and we're looking forward to each annual piece of growth that we have this last year we actually had a group of guys uh, drive up from seattle which was just fantastic and in <sighs> fact we even had someone fly in from finland so <laughs> oh really it's, Excellent. It's, uh, it's a legit niche of the hobby and i think people are interested in specifically uh tyler mclaughlin's uh collection of 18xx i think he's probably got i want to honestly say the best collection in the world he he literally has been an archivist and hunted down and uh He's gotten files for things. He's just he's he's made sure that those unpublished, um, out of print, hard to find things that were never even finished by designers. He's literally collated and 
made this collection near perfect. And so if you're into like a subgenre of the hobby, such as 18XX, <laughs> this is just like an absolute dream. It's a candy shop to go to this convention because you have the pick of any title that you want, rare, whatnot, right? It so, sounds like Raiders of the Lost Cardboard. Oh, yeah, oh. absolutely. Absolutely. It, sound, it sounds just absolutely cool and amazing. But you, yeah, there's, you there's one. Sorry. What you've described to me was, I mean, personality-wise, the same as as like guys who collect vinyl, <laughs> like jazz yeah. guys. Oh yeah, jazz guys would be like, I got this Miles Davis, you know, um, bootleg cut when he did it in the mm-hmm. club after mm-hmm. New York. Yeah, it's it's exactly uh, it. That's the it, level it, of passion that I can connect to. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, and and you know, I think there's a those who enjoy collecting right can resonate with that and uh just a little tiny example i remember i'm just i was enthralled there's a story behind every difficult to find board game as you can well imagine um there, there's one game called 1831 and uh the so this get this like this was published i want to say early 90s and by published i mean the designer hand drew the maps handmade everything and it actually comes in like one of those map roll like tubes and so oh, yeah, he, yeah. all all these handmade components are stuffed into this tube and there was only 26 copies of that game made a to z and uh so tyler was able to somehow oh, procure wow. one of those 26 copies that were handmade by this guy it's subsequently been published by all aboard games which is a yeah but notable... still the addition he has has a yeah, significant absolutely oh, just, it does. just 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 that, just like that story counter. Yeah, just that story would just draw anybody, and I just want to listen to that story. Yeah, yeah, and and I mean, you know, Tyler's the only one who can probably more. give it justice, but there's just wow. there's connections and there's all sorts of conversations that happened in the 18xx world through you know <laughs> the last ten years in terms of his his growth of that collection. So, so I'm gonna I'm gonna footnote for um uh, our audience and um that you're gonna bring to uh to this season some some 18xx some heavy games and yeah. i am fired up because i've been so shy to dip my big toe into that pool that i think i'm just eventually going to have to cannonball <laughs> be careful oh yeah but, but yeah, yeah. I, i've been enjoying it you know what i I've, I've honestly found over the last two years which is about the time frame of hatanuga and I, I i was one of the like i approached tyler initially and he and i sort of together found the energy to create this convention. And I was a complete 18xx newbie. And here I am with the 18xx guy in Canada, really. And I think we just found a resonance together and enough, yeah, enough motivation to start this thing up. And so it's been since that time uh, that I've really, I think, just refined my interests, tastes in particular board games. And I've I've seen that I'm shying away from some things. Not that I don't play. Uh, I, I still play a variety of games and I'm sure if I, if I'm back on in various expansion packs here, oh, absolutely. <laughs> you'll, you'll get a taste that I, I, I have a variety of interests. I mean, we as gamers, I think, go through seasons and we get ex, uh, exposed to different mm-hmm. kinds of games that are like, I didn't know this existed. I didn't know this whole little mini world oh, yeah. was there. You know? And that's and, what I'm fired about the most is, is like, you know, show me this, 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 this oh, yeah. perspective I, I, or show me I'm, this I'm world. I'm excited. I'm excited about where, like, where my where my tastes go. Like, my taste this past summer, like, completely changed from what I normally mm-hmm. loved love to play and everything. So, I like I like this idea. Yeah, it's and I think that's good and okay. It's it's like okay to have a malleable favorites list. You know, it's okay to um to n- to not be like I'm I'm this committed like 
medium euro guy like that you, you can sort of flex and around again, and enjoy, ignore yeah. the rest I think that's a that's a fault exactly it's and it's you know it's the same thing as being human right like we're we learn from each other and we learn from each other's tastes and things and so mm-hmm. board gaming is not exempt from that so i'm still not gonna like splendor <laughs> <laughs> we will play we will play it once norm i promise that but i don't you know, know how many years it's gonna take but it's, it's it's gonna happen once as much as i protest about it i'm gonna in one of our you know what did i play this summer thing um i'll say a game and you're you're gonna basically hold me over the coals because you're gonna argue that it is exactly I the know, same game i know exactly <laughs> which one you're talking about too. Hey, so i Pardon the so, pun, but I took a took us off the rails. Luke, back to you. <laughs> Boom. Um, all right. So, I, I, from my understanding here, we're going to alternate and just talk yeah, about yeah, a few yeah. different we're games gonna, that we've been playing this summer. Yeah. 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 Um, I'll, I'll sort of my summer is kind of in two pieces here. Um, three pieces. So I'll I'll start off with games that I I felt like part of my goal was returning some classics. Oh so yeah. I'll talk about Ooh, a few of those. I like this. Another another sort of section was uh, just more 18xx. I just want to always get that in, and uh, and then I also I, I continue probably every month just to try some new heavy euro that's coming out. Cool. That's that's sort of my my jam, and so I want to make sure that I'm, you know, having a little bit of intake there. But that's that's more and more becoming less and less of a thing in terms of my gaming time. Is just is your format? I'm fired up. Okay. So right. he's like a billion more or- times more organized than no, I am. Oh no, no, no. This is this is all ad hoc here. So um so I'll just start off. Uh Keyflower. I've I've returned to Keyflower. Um I you know what? I played that a number of Bravo. years ago and then I picked up a copy actually from an online uh trade uh here in Saskatoon, which was great. Mm-hmm. And uh oh my goodness, I've hit that probably a dozen times this summer. And in various ways I uh uh yeah, have one of the expansions as well. That game is a gem. It is absolute gold. I think, um, to me, something that, again, in the last two years has been growing in terms of my interest is the interaction between players, and Keyflower's got that in spades. Well, um, how, oh, yeah, how that, that, very, that really unique um, auction yeah. mechanic of I'm bidding for my tile, and I got to one-up yeah. you, and it's got to be in the same color. And yeah. oh. If I recall correctly, green is very important. Yeah, yeah. They, I mean, essentially, I don't know how deep we want to get into uh, explaining these titles here. I'm, I'm assuming a lot of people are familiar with Keyflower. Yeah. It's been out for quite a while, but and if uh, they're not, you should go to BGG right now and go check out this this, this this absolutely beaut. Yeah, you know is. what? What strikes me the most about it is not has nothing to do with the gameplay. The art, mm. I I just mm-hmm. love the clean, mm-hmm. um, um mm-hmm. open. I mean, with the white background, everything's nice and sharp. Um, I mean, the, the iconography is one of those things like Super any clear, other game. Yeah. I think but, in this yeah, title, it's clear, but you, it, it's just, it's language. You had, you know, the, the semiotic mm-hmm. of it, you just got to go, Oh, this means this. And that means that, and every game has mm-hmm. that. Yep. But I, I was so attracted to the, in that whole series, that, that key series, the, the, the continuity of the art. I, I mean, I appreciated that a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, essentially with Keyflower, the thing that compels me with it is, uh, like it's it's worker placement, right? But you have three, sometimes four, you know, blue, yellow, red, and sometimes green if you've earned those through other actions, uh, colored workers in which to take actions with. But the thing is, it's it's the the timing mm. is so critical. And I <clears throat> it reminds me of Agricola in that way or other sort of action uh, like worker placement games where I need to get the wood before someone else does, except in this case, 
oh man, the, the pressure of, do I put this tile to auction and with which color, or do I take the action on that tile and with which color mm -hmm. and, oh shoot, someone else took the one I wanted to do next and they chose the color that I didn't want them to choose. And it just, it's so layered in that sense. And you can, you can take actions on other people's buildings, which they're collecting every season. And so there's this sort of exponential growth of possibilities over the course of the sort of four rounds, four seasons of the game. And not only possibilities, but there's this exponential growth of how we're messing with each other and how we're interacting with each other. And I just, I find that so fascinating. It's really, really cool. And, and, and the fact that your workers come over on their boats in, in between mm -hmm. the seasons and, and some boats have more workers than others. And, oh, it's just fantastic. Yeah. And the variable that just messes with me is the hidden information. What do they have behind their shield? We got to pay attention, Norm. Oh, <laughs> well, it's hard, yeah, right? I, I was distracted. What was that? Sorry. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, yeah, Keyflower. It's. Uh, I I think after this dozen or so plays this summer, it's it's definitely up there and some my one of my top favorite games. Like it's just it's such a classic to me, and it's just so smooth and so beautiful. So dang, you made me want to play that one right up right, yep. right now. Yep. Hey Ryan, yeah. it looks like you're next. I'll, time, I'll never, I'll never turn down a, a play of Keyflower ever oh. if somebody suggests it. Yeah, that's a on, on to me. Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, so my summer was kind of like is the kind of like the summer of the escape rooms. Yeah. Um, my uh, my 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 wife kind of discovered her love of um, um of escape rooms because of the puzzle the puzzle solving natures and the unique cooperation that we need to do. So we played a lot of escape room type games. Like one of the big ones that we played a lot of were, were the exit games, the exit, the games oh, yeah. by uh, yeah. Marcus and Inca brand. Um, we managed Solid to get uh, designers. We managed to get three of them this summer. Um, uh, we played the abandoned cabin, Pharaoh's tomb and the forgotten Island um, all with um, different, different groups and different couples. And my, <clears throat> my, my gosh, do they, have they captured the experience of going into an escape room, but at your, at your dining room table? Um, the, the puzzles are very, very clever. There's lots of like, oh my gosh, aha moments. And oh my, we would have never thought about that. We sometimes, we, I'm, I'm a guy, I don't want to take a hint. I never want, I want, I want to struggle with this. A couple of times guess. we had to take, a couple of times we had to take a hint. I was gonna when, say. You take, when, you, when you take the hint, you're like, oh my gosh. Really, it was right in front of us the entire time. Oh, that's um, great. But so yeah, so these games, um, and they're 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 played in like about an hour, maybe an hour and a half. Uh, you get this little bit of a score. They have like this little scoring system of how long did it take you, how many hints did you need. Mm. Um, the the thing I like about the exit games, uh, there's there's the other series that's called Unlock. Um, Unlock is just a series of cards. Um, exit's also kind of like a series of cards, but there's usually a book involved in exit. You actually have to do some physical manipulation. And I was, yeah, one of them is you, you destroy components and the other one is you don't. Yeah. And exit most of the times, if you want to solve the puzzle, you're probably going to end up having to cut something out or fold mm. a piece of paper or destroy something and, mm. and, and to be able to solve the puzzle. And so do you so find that a little bit more engaging or. Oh yeah. I, I like that part of just like, Yeah. Yeah, because those are the kind of when I'm researching an escape room in the city here, um, I'm looking for the rooms that actually have I actually have to do something. I'm mean, actually have to like, mm -hmm. physically manipulate and take something apart or something along those lines. So exit the game, those ones you have to explore them. Uh, you can't really go to them in more detail without doing any spoilers. Mm -hmm. But uh, ba 
based off my favorites right now, um, Abandoned Cabin has the best aha moments. That's the first one in the Exit series, isn't it? I think that's the first. I think that was the first one. Yeah, and it has like it has very clever puzzles, and it makes you feel really good about yourself when you solved one. Um, the next one, I would say that the Pharaoh's Tomb. The Pharaoh's Tomb had like a lot of math involved, so I kind of liked it. I was just gonna as, say as, as, as the as the math as the math teacher and everything, but uh, some people for may each know. Story, like that. Do they sorry um, for each story? Do they find a different twist on on how to? You know, utilize yeah, everything this- is very thematic. So, in the Pharaoh's tomb, everything okay. is like hieroglyphics and moving, like moving mm-hmm. sarcophaguses and um, maps and a lot, lot of things like that. So, um, exit the games. We played. We played the three of them. I've got the other four sitting on my shelf, waiting to be played again. <laughs> so we're we're ready to go. Brian, that sounds great. To be, I, I haven't actually tried any of these series yet, and I've been interested. This is piquing my, yeah, piquing my yeah, excitement. Yeah, so they're really good, and, and, the, and the price point, the price point on them mm-hmm. are really, are really, are really good. Um, I, like online, I think you can get them for like fifteen bucks. Mm-hmm. Maybe in store, you get them for like twenty bucks. So, like the amount of entertainment yeah. you get for like that hour is definitely worth it. And do you, what good, kind of player count do you recommend on these type? Of that's games? exactly what I was going to say. Yeah, yeah. Um, they, 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 they say you can play it solo, which. Um, I don't think I would ever want to do because having more people at the table brings all those multiple perspectives on the games. Um, we found that four is probably the sweet spot. I probably wouldn't do any more than four. We've done one at uh, two players and uh, my wife and I were at each other's throats the entire time. So um, don't, don't do it at two player with your wife. Um, <laughs> bring, bring, bring another couple so that you can at least bounce, each other, bounce, bounce ideas. I would say four, four is the best. Okay. So I, what about I mean, you, Norm? Oh, uh, sorry. This, what did, oh, no, no. I was, uh, I was going to say that uh, I haven't played, I have a couple of those, but I have yet to play them. And I, I think that's encouraging enough for me to, to uh, open up the box and have a go. Mm-hmm. Like, they're, they're, they're great cooperative. Like if you want to look, work at team building skills or anything like that, or just working together um, escape rooms, we really discovered our love of them. So, uh, I've got another couple on my list that I'll probably talk about, but uh, like the thing with the escape rooms that appeals to me is that there's no player elimination. Um, you're you're as engaged in the game as you want to be, and as long as they keep pumping them out because they are a one and done. <laughs> like once you've solved the puzzle, you've solved the puzzle. You're, yeah. you're not going to play. You're not going to play it again. Or and the price you, point facilitates that too. Yeah, if you destroyed the whole game, you can't play it again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. All right. You guys, ready for, you guys ready for mine? Hit sure. It. Well, you better uh, better saddle up, boys, because I played some great Western Trail. Ooh. Oh, that's a great one. I, uh, I, um, I, I have something re- that clicks with me with this game. I mean, there is so it could be that my brain <clears throat> runs at about a hundred miles an hour, and that there's. <laughs> car drafting there's worker placement there there's compet there's so many different like mechanisms and um underlying meta that's going on with this game um that uh i i we think we played it uh with our our um wednesday night game i think we played it like three four times you know Every week, it's like, "What do you guys want to play? Let's play West Great Western Trail again." And mm. I'm okay with I'm okay with the uh, you know making cows go from one place to another. 
that's uh but i did discover because in great western trail like i said it's the theme is you're taking cattle from uh um i believe it's uh st louis or texas or something like that and you're bringing them all the way up to um uh, kansas city i'm I, there's probably people freaking out because i got everything backwards but <laughs> i don't care right yeah, that's what i played this summer um but it's um it goes from it, it, like it plays two to four players i think the sweet spot is three players no, i would players, agree i would agree with that four players seems to really be rating, like a, it a kinda, it kinda, it's, it's a slog fest yeah um and what i like about it is that on your player board um, you are, I guess, a cattle baron, but you're hiring um, uh, cowboys, you're hiring carpenters, you're hiring um, station masters, and these individuals allow you um, asynchronous powers uh, compared to everybody else on the board. If you have one um, you know, cowboy, then you get a deal on cows. If you have more, you get a deal on cows that is a path to for victory points that i've discovered a while ago then i think um was it you ryan or was it was it bernard or, or ken about the carpenters about building those houses and start ken. having those houses get you you know more victory the, points yeah it was the first time that i believe it was ken um managed to highly do the effective um build the builder carpenter strategy yeah i had yeah. never seen it actually pulled off i had seen people come close but uh, he he executed it like from start of game to end of game like beautifully. Like the cowboy yeah. strategy, like I'm saying, is that if you cowboys have more cowboys, is, yeah, is, is very is very strong. Especially if like you're a newer player, that's what you're probably going to tend to do because it is all about the cows. Buy the valuable cows, end of game mm -hmm. value points. But the carpenter one, yeah. that that took some layering and scaffolding, and and you know I think the cows is you know short the short game or the short game. And the uh, the carpenter is the long game because you yeah, that's, decide. The, that's the strategy that requires the most most forward planning. Yeah, you definitely. What I what I discovered also is the um, station master is a if you can play the station master properly about moving your train down the track to hit the stations with big victory points. And hey, it's to, a train game. It's a train game. Hey, <laughs> back to Luke. Um, <laughs> uh, I found that that station master um, is a fragile but successful strategy if you could pull it off. But I'm still trying to find that. But that you need you need to couple that strategy with the cowboy strategy. Yeah, you, you, you still need to make money. You gotta you gotta juggle those three aspects, and um, and then of course you add the idea of upgrades where you're taking those discs off of your player board to open up more powers to you like like scythe does mm -hmm. so yeah and i i mean i i should stop talking now because this could turn into just me talking about this game well that's a future episode isn't it <laughs> this so, is what i want to try shame ah, yeah i was gonna to say that yeah I, mean, I i enjoy those games where like it sounds like there's kind of three paths but you could sort of use any combination in terms of those is to uh, propel yeah. yourself to victory and point sorts of things. And it's yeah. neat when you can come back to a title, like you're saying, four or five plays and say, I really want to explore this path. Yeah. Like there's questions to be asked. There's, there's answers to find, you know, and I, I like that, especially with these heavier games. And maybe next time you think, oh, I want to try a little bit of a combination here or something. You know? Or it's come back to and go, I played this angle, but I played it poorly. I want to play mm. it more efficiently this time. Yes, yes. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, and it's now, one of those. Now that I saw now that I saw Ken how he did the carpenter strategy, I want to try. <laughs> I want I want to actually try to see if I can actually pull that off. I'm more of the run and gun. I I'm really poor at that forward planning. Oh, <laughs> I, I I want to try it now. Yeah, just because I've, it's so difficult to pull off, I need to try it. You have to be patient, and I don't have that <laughs> at all. Okay, so. Uh, Back to you, Luke. Um, so you said you started off with a classic, and then mm. I believe your middle one was an 18xx. Well, I mean, I had a few classics, I suppose. I don't know how many games we want to hit here. You know what? Let's go until we're bored. <laughs> so sure. after I'm done talking. <laughs> no, oh, stop it. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, okay, I don't know how, you've, how you guys feel about sort of this, this game. I, I got in only a few times, um, but I also, it sort of uh, faded on me so maybe that's an interesting thing to sort of explore and perhaps you've both played it it was uh madeira oh that is oh, on the, my wish the, list i was gonna okay. say this one's been on my wish list radar for um, close to about a year now what's okay. your game i have nippon i have signori mm. I love yeah, we, that. We, we, yeah, we played those ones. Those ones I've really, really enjoyed. And they're, yeah, and and they're coming out with a second edition. That one in yes. Zhang Wu. Yeah. Yes, yes, those ones. And I know Brazil is like in oh, the hopper, right. right? And this design team, this uh, Nuno Santiero and Paulo Soledad, mm-hmm. uh, they've they've done this one in Nippon and uh, Panamax. I actually I really enjoy Panamax. That's a great game too. Um, but yeah, Madeira was kind of high on my list a few years ago and i'm glad you've gotten a few plays of it in um like you said what's your game beautiful beautiful games they just man, the art in these things is just yeah. perfectly done clear but there's like a nice aesthetic taste to it like you can kind of I don't it's know, got just, a vintagey it, feel yeah 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 it's not it's no not overdone either it sort of has a, a bit of a classic euro sort of feel to it but it looks very crisp yeah i just i really appreciate uh their actual like design work um the, the, the sort of like nuts and bolts of madeira um it's it's you know i mean theme wise we're, we're we're talking an island off the coast in the atlantic there and um basically uh the way that it's sort of framed is it was a laboratory <laughs> uh, for what would become the portuguese empire this island of sort of exploring how to you know get resources off the land how to bring those resources into into trading and uh and that sort of a thing and so the game itself is is a whole ton of interlocked mechanisms and and if i can say one thing about madeira it's that kind of the task of the player is how do I even sort these things out in such a way that I can manipulate them? They're so tightly connected that you kind of look at the board the first time and think, how is my one action now going to actually get me to do that thing over there? So the way the game flows is at the beginning, there's sort of a turn order that's uh, set at the end of each turn. So you're selecting a set of action dice and the dice are rolled, not in any sort of like, uh, there's a randomization element, but it's that mm-hmm. sort of uh, beforehand knowledge, right? So yeah. you get to actually choose based on the turn order which set of dice you use. And those dice, you can use them anywhere, but there's kind of three regions that are set up on the board. And if you're using a dice of a lower pip, uh, so they're one to three, one, two, yeah. or three, you're just going to incur a higher cost if you go on the two or the three region. So mm-hmm. it's sort of... Um, that that is the incentive to fight for turn order is you know you're going to get a better choice of dice. It doesn't limit you where you're going to go. It just 
modifies your decision in terms of costs. So I like that. I like that kind of idea. Um, there's uh, there's sort of a, the actual island of Madeira space where you can place workers. And I should say there's the, the action dice are technically your worker placement. Those are the actions you get. So you usually get three. And then there's also these uh, pirate dice, which I can explain a little bit later as well, uh, that sort of offer you uh, additional actions, but there's some kind of... There's uh, a cost. There's a, there's a cost and there's some <laughs> tricky ways to manipulate those things. Um, below that sort of like action selection mechanism, and there's, there's five sort of primary actions to take. And below each of those is a secondary action that can get triggered if you have sort of the right conditions and those sorts of things. So you're placing dice on one of those five things. And those actions are often allowing you to then place workers from your workforce. So everyone has sort of like a, I'm going to say it's about 20 workers. Okay. And these people are going to end up being on farms or plantations, sort of gathering resources. They might be in the city trying to win you money or win you sort of other sorts of bonus tiles. I guess they'd be like sort of uh, senators or politicians or things like that, that then become sort of this asymmetric bonus that you get to use ongoing. Um, and then you also have fleets of ships that you're going to be sending out to colonies and you're also going to be using as trading vessels. And so there's like more resources you're getting and there's also sort of an income generation piece on the that there. And so in the use of these action dice, you're often moving these workers around to these different places or your ships, trying to maximize what it is that you want to do on that turn. Um, five turns in the game to play and uh, scoring happens on rounds one, three, and five. And the interesting thing about scoring is that you're sort of given and, and in fact, you collect throughout the game um, sets of uh, little scoring tiles. So it's your own personal scoring condition that will that you get to execute on round one, round three, and round five. So you oh, have some good man. information to project to sort of manipulate your mm. way to that, that, con that victory condition on each of those rounds. And so um, really what I found myself doing a lot was how do I make my workers work for me in the way that I need them to for this round. And then I can sort of reset <clears throat> for the next scoring tile I have, or maybe there's a way I can harmonize it so that I can, that, that scoring tile is just a little bit different, not too much different. See, it's, it, it's quite interesting. I've heard that um, with this game, not only are you playing against the opponents, but you're playing against the game's own system. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, there's limited pieces, right? And you feel like you actually want more workers out. Of course, it's one of those types of games where the more workers out, you're going to owe bread for each of them at the end, right? Mm -hmm. Every ship, you're going to owe some wood upkeep. So there's all these, there's this tension of like, you can't just get more stuff because you're going to be spending it, you know? And <clears throat> I always think that's quite a clever uh, design mechanism, right? It sounds like one of those games where you can lose the game in the first move if, if it's a wrong move. I, I'm sure. I'm sure. <laughs> um, um, now, just in terms of my personal thoughts after a couple games here, um, I, I'm, I kind of, I, it waned on me a little bit, unfortunately. <laughs> and I, I think because um, what I was starting to see is this is like logistics, the game. Um, <laughs> and some other games where I feel as though there's a sense of development, like mm -hmm. especially games where you have your own personal tableau or something where you're sort of building towards. Yeah. Um, there's nothing you ever really possess in this game other than resources that just get used again. It's kind of you're, you're, you're getting stuff, you're using it. Excel and I guess, spreadsheet the game. 
Yeah. And, and so you're manipulating where your workers go and which scoring condition you're going to have. And if you really like that logistics puzzle each round, I'm sure you're going to like this. I found it um, uh, very tactical in that sense, turn to turn. And I mean, I guess what I'll, I'll, it's fair to say I haven't given enough plays to to sort of get that sense of the long term strategy. But I, I uh, yeah, yeah, it was more logistics heavy than I expected um, and less on the development piece. And I guess I didn't realize how much I enjoy sort of the construction of something um, that's that's mine or that other players can interact with as well. So cool. Yeah, cool. sounds very sounds very interesting. <clears throat> ah. I definitely I definitely want to try this this mm-hmm. when you when you say it's kind of like a lit that's where my brain goes i'm a i'm a very logical very logistics i need to do xyz in that exact order and i'm gonna i'm gonna, mm. I'm gonna be highly efficient at it and mm-hmm. it's it's very puzzly like very puzzly yeah is there uh i believe on on uh, one of the reviews where when you do your worker placement if there's somebody else there there's this extra page and if you don't pay it, then you leave the tab for somebody else or something like that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. There's, there's like a limit to how many um, of these dice actions that you can take within each of those five possible places. Yeah. And the pirates create this um, additional fee that gets incurred um, sort of at the end of the round. There's yeah, like a, dude. there's a, there's a resolution, a cleanup sort of phase and you, you end up having to pay depending on how many people are in different uh, action spaces. And there's, there's a bit of a random element there where you roll dice and there's a, there's a cost that's incurred for having taken those actions in that region. But Cool. I, I can't wait for that. I think I, I'll have to look, but I think I kickstarted it. Nice. Very nice. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I would love to play Norm Nepal. kickstarted a game and I didn't. <laughs> well, I mean, I saw they were, they were advertising on Twitter that uh it was coming out and and of course i just you know started to shake as i was holding my phone going where's my kickstarter button okay nice um yeah and i think my motivation is solely from the hearsay that i've you know like yourself and everybody else has talked about it but the the track record of that company Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah so ryan it's your turn back to me hey back to um so I'm I'm gonna go back on like the the escape room, uh, kind of loop it around. But um, my wife and I started playing um, Detective, the modern bo- crime board game. That's a portal is, release, right? Um, yeah, Ignacy uh, Trezviak, and uh, it generated a lot of hype at um, Gen Con this past year. Um, <coughs> so in Detective, it's kind of taking that um system like um Sherlock Holmes consulting detective, but kind of uh modernizing it right now cool um, so it's taking it and putting it in a modern crime um and what we're having to do here is that you are now police detectives and you each get like a little card um kind of gives you kind of like your little specialty like I'm, I, I'm a computer specialist and somebody's like an interrogation specialist and and then what you have on the off to the side is you got some of your consultants and they kind of just give you a little bit of extra um things that you can do on uh when you're doing investigations um, now what makes detective really, really interesting is that you have, um, the base game box comes with five cases that you need to solve. And we thought, cool. okay, we're going to sit down for a night and we're going to work through case number one. You're not going to work through case number one in one night. It was, 
we we were not actually prepared for the amount of brain burn um this was this was generating there's a, a hint in the rule book where it says um we highly recommend you um grab a whiteboard and do a a mind map wow and like and we're like <laughs> okay that that's that's okay that's pretty bold that's pretty ambitious whatever so we started we read the introduction started doing a a few things and then we're like holy smokes they are throwing information at us left right and center we need to get a whiteboard <laughs> <laughs> and you feel like i felt like i was an actual police detective so what they have is there there's a case and there's some overarching or overarching um thing that we need to be able to solve um it's not necessarily that you're going to solve a murder but maybe you need to, uh, the the first one spoilers spoilers first one is that you have to you have to map out a timeline of of, of a series of events that have happened and uh throughout throughout this whole process you're going to be given clues and you're going to be given um, places that you can investigate now you have to be careful because investigation takes time and time is your resource hmm. you only have so much time in in a given work day technically in a work day in order to pursue all of these leads and all these clues. Well, that so, makes sense. Well, yeah, just like a police detective. So then we have to, you have to sit down and you have to decide, make a really tough decision. Are we going to go path A, B, C, D, E, F? Are we going to, which path are we going to follow? Which one makes the most sense to us? Because spoiler alert again my wife and i we went down one particular path and it felt really good to us and it was a red herring <laughs> it, like it, it, we, we 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 bit hard and it, mm. it it looped back at us and said yeah you just pretty much wasted a whole day doing nothing <laughs> yeah, no, <laughs> were you and, and we had felt we had felt like we were actually doing something i was to say were you so emotionally involved that you were upset I, I was, I was mad. Like if I was a police detective and I just wasted a whole day following garbage, like I was upset. That's amazing so then, that a game can evoke that same feeling. <laughs> and, and, I like, think that's, and I think that's what he's trying to do. Yeah. He's trying to um, um, make, make you invest. Like I felt like, like, like he made me feel like I was a police detective. Now I haven't even touched on the cool part about this game is that everything that you can track is through, they have developed a website that you can track and it looks like a leg, uh, like a legitimate um, police database. Yeah, I've heard huh. about that. So so when I'm reading a story, like I'm in a scenario, I'm in a situation and I found some evidence. Well, they can have a place where I can go and I can enter that evidence into the database. And if I've entered a piece of evidence that matches um, some other piece of evidence that it will tell me like, hey, you found a fingerprint. That exact same fingerprint was actually found on something else that you've already discovered. So it'll There's give you a correlation. Yeah. And it tells you it was a 98% match. Oh, nice. So you're like, oh, I can infer now that this person that was doing this has now been there. I can draw that. There's also a really cool thing is that he's actually done the research of historical events that have actually happened that he gives you a little link says, hey, go type this into Google and go research it further. Something inside that link actually happened and it pertains to your case. Oh, cool. Hmm. So like the one the one that I know that they were doing demos at a Gen Con was something about a basket, the, the, this, this basketball player. And they gave the clue that, 
Well, he was actually at this basketball game at some point in time. And you go look it up. This basketball game actually happened. Oh, that's there's awesome. A, there's a score and stats and everything. Um, so there's a lot of those little pieces that you can infer. So we have like, when we said this was not, we had done, mm, we invested like three hours one night. <laughs> and we had got through like two days of investigation. And there's a little time limit. There's a time limit of like, you have to solve this case in four days or something like that. Mm. And it detracts your time. Um, and then at the end, if you've ran out of time, you have to submit your file report in which is a, it's a, it's a multiple choice test really. And they answer, they ask you a series of questions that say, Hey, um, how sure of you that you can make this particular link? And you'll be like, um, I, we never made that link at all, or I think we made that you, link or are you talking yes, about? definitely we made that link. And then afterwards it'll give you a score. And if you've gotten to certain points, you get to say, Hey, you solved the case. And it'll say, Hey, Oh, well, for the first time we went, we did the test. We're like, hey, okay, we're pretty confident. We did the test. We failed miserably. <laughs> wow. And it told us like, yeah, do you need to go back? You need to go revisit some clues. You only found like 15 out of 50 pieces of evidence that are needed. And, <laughs> and does it, does it instruct you to do it over? So then at that case, it's like, they say like, yeah, it's a, it's a complete reset. You could just start, you start over again, but now you kind of have some more knowledge. It's kind of like, Hey, um, Scooby-Doo, <laughs> go back in time and start it over again. Kind but of like, um, to me, yeah. that says it has some some solid variability, because then you could walk down another like like just that whole tech he tree does, of the he potential. Has mentioned mm -hmm. in interviews that there are multiple ways to arrive hmm. at the final solution in, in each of these cases. Now, what's really cool because we don't we we only just have done we've actually finally completed case number one out of the five cases. Apparently, the the five cases are all interconnected. I've heard that. So, yeah. so what we've done in case number one is there's going to be things that we've discovered there that are going to transfer over into case number two now, which is I find is really, really cool. Like, and of course, case number one, this has taken us like six, seven hours. And what's blown me away wow. is the, the depth of design that's required. Like you said, that they <laughs> link data, um, actual, you know, mm -hmm. real event data with the game system that you like in a five box kind of set the story arc there has to be some deep design going on oh yeah and then just like the sheer amount of information that's flying at us it, it you mm. have to be very certain like okay that's a waste of time this is a possible lead this one it, we're on the fence about let's leave that for right now yeah it it's a really good design. You have to sit down and play with it for a while. Um, this mm. would not be something like I would say, hey, start it, come back a month later, because you're going to forget details mm -hmm. that are very, very yeah. important. You, gotta, yeah, you need to be immersed so, in that kind of thing. Yeah, here's, a, like, here's a question yeah. for you. Is this a game or is this an RPG? Because what you've oh. described, well, but I mean, just from listening to you, um, you're, you're describing through what the game well, requires you to do. Like I said, it's like, like an I RPG. You're playing the role of a detective. I kind of put this in that escape room thing. Like we're trying to solve a puzzle really. Yeah. And they're giving us all these clues and all these things like that. Um, yeah. It's a, you can get, you can, you can role play this a little bit, but, but uh, I mean, it, it immerses you in, 
it yeah. immerses you in a universe very, very well. But the emotional spectrum that you're experiencing as a player, you just said, I felt like I was a detective that wasted a whole day. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I think that's fascinating. That's really, really neat. And yeah, to me, that is so cool that that just this on paper design can can affect a gaming environment like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And everything's everything's done on like if you're looking at um the, the the story and the text it's all it's all done on cards like tarot tarot size cards it's got some some text on it that you just read and it's got a story behind it and hmm. yeah so right. detective modern crime um i definitely would highly recommend this but beware that it is a time commitment yeah that sounds really fascinating have you played uh, sherlock holmes consulting detective I have actually not played Sherlock Holmes consulting today, even though I really, really, really do. Mm -hmm. I just I, need to. I just didn't need to get my hands on a copy. Yeah, I played it, and um, wow, did that game ever show me how embarrassing I was at playing that game? <laughs> yeah, I've heard, I've heard many people just compare this one is um, consulting detective modernized with some technology. Interesting. Involved, but... Yeah, yeah. When you were talking about it, the closest thing I could connect with was uh, I played Tragedy Looper, which is a total mind bend. I've, that, that I've heard that. Just, yes. Yeah, kind of similar. I, in this one, you there's usually a sort of a, a mystery of some kind, a murder, whatever, and you keep going back in time and gathering little bits of information. Oh, cool. Mm. Yeah. Oh, that, that's another one that my wife and I have well, we'll played. Well, we've, we've played Time Stories. Okay. We've we, we played many um, scenarios in the, in the, in the Time Stories um, universe it's the same idea where you have some sort of thing that you need to solve but quite often time you're going to run out of time and you need to go back now you have information of mm. things that you can do some things in the beginning more efficiently to get you to the catch-up hmm. point to try to solve your solve your mission or case or anything like that well so, hey, the, what you said about detective seems like it's a fully fleshed out you know, oh yeah piece actually my idea would be is my ideal with this be would be like maybe at a con if you grab like a, a few people together and say hey we're gonna sit down for like we're gonna sit down for like four hours have like the big like whiteboard conference room thing <laughs> going on we have like I mean, four or five four or five laptops going oh man stuff like that. so, we can enter, so we can enter like and be like police detectives around for like four hours and try to solve a case i think it would be really really cool that would be fantastic yep. sign me up okay all right, to you, Norm. All right, I'm I'm looking at my list here, and I'm like, all right, do I, do I talk <laughs> about the 800 pound gorilla in the room, or do I leave it to the next round? And uh, I think I'll leave it to the next round. Um, but I want to talk about a game that Luke here um, uh, taught me. I have a copy, um, and uh, it just came up in discussion that uh, Luke said, well let's play i got a copy i love this game and it's wildcatters mm -hmm. that's and, good then I, then I don't have to talk about it <laughs> well you could oh, you know what you can help I, me I, talk about this one because i'm i mean this is this is um down to the tooth of conjecture i've played this once and that was with you <laughs> and but like for me when i buy a game i'm gonna do the research and i'm gonna you know because i'm getting like you were saying before i'm getting to that point where my tastes are becoming refined and I know um, what kind of, you know, game system is going to scratch that itch kind of thing. And uh, so when I did my research on wildcatters and, and I mean, I'm turning into a capstone, you know, love child here because 
Everyone uh, should. Everyone oh, should. The oh, I mean, um, they're uh, really great. I I just I'm I'm learning Hashbullnect right now. Okay. And, um, but uh, Wildcatters, uh, theme wise is uh, oil industry. I like global oil industry, and you're. Uh, I'm going to try my best from my memory, but you're you're basically a, a, a company that is trying to um, find the oil, pump the oil, pr- um, not necessarily process the oil, but transport the oil to certain uh, refinery points that connect to a um, another level of game of area control. And I believe that is what's generating your victory points for the end of the game. And uh, among other little kind of side things, but I, mm-hmm. I, from my experience, that was the meat of where your points are coming from. Now, the difficult decision is uh, oh, there's so many difficult decisions, <laughs> but um, for me, from what I experienced through all the errors that I did in the game was um, the timing of when do you, um, you know, when do you drill i I forget what the the term is but when do you drill for oil because you have if you're the first one you're paying that big initial cost and then everybody can piggyback after you know there's a a lot of piggybacking in this game which is really interesting in the same oil field and but then once that goes they're talking about trains because there's going to be the necessity of transportation and you could own a certain chunk of rail line, or you can use somebody else's. This was very intriguing to me was, um, and I think I talked about this in the game from, from my, my history background was this vertical integration. If you want to hang on to all the money, then you own all the companies at every level of this, of this industry. And that's not the way to play this game. It's a bit about, well, I'll use your train and I'll use your boat and I'll bring it to your refinery so that I can get my oil barrels that will represent uh, influence in these countries for this this area control. To me, that was such a, mm-hmm. a, 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 a there's a big a razor's edge decision. Yeah, there's, a, there's a big question of how much do I invest in capital projects, like building my infrastructure, yeah. right? Because that's the typical approach in a many of these kinds of games where you have like a, engine, right? a, an engine, a logistics yeah. piece to work out. It's like, I want to use my stuff because I have to pay when I use that other person's stuff. But it's like, you got to count the cost benefit analysis on every mm-hmm. part of that puzzle because you realize, okay, I actually can take some losses in the transportation and pay out to other people because then I don't have to pay for that stuff. I don't have to pay for building trains or boats oh. or refineries or whatever, right? And you kind of just, you cool. realize the the level of um, connection that you require with each player in that game is just... And like awesome. every delicious game, this one has loans. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I went deep into loans. <laughs> um, and and not, not because I wanted to, but because... Um, there's a situation where if you're bringing barrels to a refinery, the owner of that refinery has to pay you their shares. And if you have no shares to pay, you're taking a loan. Mm-hmm. And, oh, man, everybody at the board, I mean, it's one of those things where you do not want to show that you're in a potential weak situation because everybody can look at you and go, you have no shares. If I dump all my barrels in your refinery, I'm going to put you to the, you know, I'm going to send you to the sharks. Because mm-hmm. you're pulling loans, and 
what I was happy about my gameplay was, yes, I found myself into that area where, oh man, I'm in Martin Lord, Martin Wallace hell here because I'm pulling loans <laughs> and pulling loans, right? And But for me, I found the game, my new success was I'm not going to win the game. I want to get out. I want to pay off these loans. Mm-hmm. And I think you guys were all pretty impressed where it's like, Oh wow! You you did do that, you know, yeah. at the cost of <laughs> uh, at the cost of going last. But yeah, yeah, um, yeah well, Brian, you're like lo- you said, love there's, this game. there's thematic integration all the way along in all those types of actions. Like what you were hinting at here, Norm. It's like when you take your oil and you deliver it to someone else's refinery. Oh, they're paying for your product, yeah. <laughs> but it's a forced payment, right? Like you're saying, ah, this oil is just coming in on the trains here or the ship. I mean, you got to refine mm. it now. That's kind of whatever meta structure set that up. But then the person in the refinery, right? They're going to, when that refinery is full, which in, in this case is usually five barrels, they can also be sort of emptied uh, through other actions. Oh, the but stock then, then essentially it's, it's thematically like this continent is consuming that now refined oil and that refinery owner gets paid for it. So it's like you're, you're getting hit up front with buying the product, but you know you're going to get benefit in the end. It's extremely interesting. And and Brian, what he's talking about that benefit is um, once I think it's once your refinery is full, then you can then you can ship it off and and collect your your shares, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, that's and again, that was another one where it's like I I remember having a couple refineries where I just need one more barrel. Please ship me one more barrel so I can flip <laughs> flip my refinery. And, and because the barrels that go from your refinery, you get to profit from shares. And I believe this was so, uh, this aspect of it was so interesting that if your own barrels are in your own re- refinery, you have options mm-hmm. and you can mm-hmm. either not take revenue from it, but leave them as influence ter- you know, that territory control influence, or you can, I believe you can cash them out, Luke. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can with the penalty. I think they're, yeah, um, a penalty yeah. of some sort. You you kind of mm-hmm. phased out there for a sec. You were going to say they're at oh. a cost of a penalty? <laughs> yeah, you can, you can, um, sorry, your question was that you can, you can place them in the area majority, but the penalty is that you don't actually get paid for them in, in, in shares. Yeah. Whereas yeah. if you withhold them, um, then you can get paid for shares, but you're you're giving up on some of that valuable area majority, uh, you know, advantage to yourself. Which are the victory points for the end of the game, and I, yeah. and that's where that's where I started noticing the the area control race was when I was trying to um, make enough shares to cover my loans. Um, I was, pay, you know, part of my my game was pay attention. I know I know I'm fighting for last, but from me as a learning game, I was paying attention to how do you successfully control these continental areas? And it was, it was such a, a uh, you know, like razor's edge balance of, do I take shares or do I leave it as, as influence? And I, I'm itching to get back to that game. So yeah. Wildcatters, Ryan, how, what do you think of this? I was jealous 
the amount of times you guys were posting <laughs> pictures on Twitter. It, it honestly is not, also. I was not able to be there. We, we we didn't mention this, but it is one of the prettiest games on the table I've ever seen. It is oh, just fantastic. I know. I was just looking up pictures on BGG here as you guys were talking. I'm just like I was frothing at the oh. mouth. Oh like, yeah, it's it's got the toy sort to it. It's 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 got these just great wooden pieces. The, the board is this kind of like sepia tone era, you know, 1900s thing. Yeah. It's like it's got good. this tea stained look to it. I just love mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. So you guys feel like doing one more round? Yeah, we could do one more round. I think because Ryan's waiting for that 800 pound gorilla to. Well, yeah, you mentioned it. We can't not now. So. <laughs> no, 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 we can, we can transition. We can move on to the, all right, Luke. Plus I haven't talked about Dragon Ball super yet. No. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and I haven't touched 18 XX. So I guess that's what I'm doing now. <laughs> Oh, okay, you guys are going to finish off with these big ta-da moments, and I'm going to wah, 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 wah. <laughs> All right, well, Luke. Yeah. Talk, I mean, talk about some trains, man. Okay, so 18XX, um, for those who aren't familiar, is a family of train games that um, has been around for a while. Uh, since the 80s, at least. And uh, there's a, like I mentioned at the beginning of this episode here, Tyler has been uh, cultivating a collection. I mean, there's got to be over 150 of these titles at this point. I don't know the exact number. Wow. Um, a, a lot of them hard to find. And so I, I'd, I've seen 18XX growing in recent years because of the availability of certain titles. Um, 1846 is one that was produced by um, GMT yeah, Games. GMT, yeah. Yeah, so GMT is sort of, you know, uh, dipping their toes in the 18xx water, which is great. I think their 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 sort of model for uh, publishing works really well for this kind of a niche. You know, the P500 system, sort of this this pre-order, and you're trying to get just a you know a smaller group of people to back these kinds of projects. Um, there's a, a, a reprint coming up uh, from Lookout Games, the formerly known as Mayfair, I suppose, mm-hmm. of 1830. And 1830 is kind of the oh. classic title, right? Um, Mayfair had done a publication of that in number 2011, I think it was. Um, there was gripes about the design, and there was, I actually haven't played it. Um, people still prefer the old Avalon Hill which is like your old 80s uh, version. So, yeah. so uh, you know, I've been following a few of the threads and forums, and it looks like Lookout is, is considering a lot of feedback in terms of doing this uh, next uh, publication of 1830, which is, you know, kind of your gold standard 18xx game. Um, uh, what I'd want to talk about, though, is uh, a couple winsome 18xx games that I was able to get to the table this summer. I was able to pick up a collection of uh, four of the now five Winsome 18XX. And for those of you unfamiliar with Winsome, <laughs> that's a, I mean, we're going down rabbit holes here in terms of niches. But <laughs> Winsome is a, is a sort of, they're not even really a publisher. <laughs> they're kind of like a, a, a think tank. And you basically get on a subscription list, which has always been, I think, maxed out at 200 and so this, this uh, guy, John Bohr, just publishes or prints or produces. He doesn't really publish. He produces 200 copies, and everyone on this subscription list of 200 gets it. Kind of well, somebody bumps out, you can get in, but there's not really any room. So uh, these are very hard <laughs> to find titles uh, unless you're going on the secondhand market or that sort of a thing. 
got uh, the five uh, 18xx, and they don't just do 18xx. They do a cube rails games similar to Iberian Rails, if you've played that one, um, or uh, uh, Chicago Express would be like you know a sort of popular one. Paris uh, Paris Connection is another one of those cube rails games. So not I'm sure feeling, have you guys I'm touched any crowd. I'm I, I recognizing these titles. I'm, okay, yeah, this is yeah, fun. I, mean, I haven't played them, but I like I know them. I know about them. <clears throat> Fantastic. Yeah, so I mean, there's there's a variety of levels of train games, and uh, 18xx just happens to be the, the piece of the puzzle I've really been gravitating towards. It's, it's really, at its heart, it's got three systems going on. Um, it's got a stock manipulation game where we are all buying shares in each other's companies. So Norm, as we were just talking about container, or sorry, <laughs> container is also another one of these games where you're using each other's stuff, but um, Wildcatters, you know, this is the thing in 18xx you are always invested in everything else everyone's doing because you might own 30 40 percent of someone else's company so you kind of want them to do well because it'll benefit you um on top of the stock market uh and, the, and and there's value of shares as companies grow they go up and that adds to your overall wealth you know if companies start doing poor they devalue and that hurts your overall wealth and the game is is essentially the value you have at the end in your stock and your cash on hand. So that's kind of the one piece of the puzzle and it, it tends to be emphasized in a certain family of 18xx is the stock game. There's the operations. So you got a board with like hexes and you're laying little train tracks and you're, you're connecting cities and trying to make money by running trains on it. And uh, certain titles emphasize sort of the uh, technicalities of how to actually make the map work to your favor, how to block people with station tokens. 1846 would be a great example of a game that I think is really well suited to players who are familiar with sort of heavy Euro games. There's a lot of, you're, you're looking for um, synchronization of private company powers. So there's some asymmetry everybody has. Um, you're trying to like develop these nice rail networks and, and you're trying to move for efficiencies, right? You're trying to build for efficiencies and it, it tends to be a really good crossover game. Um, and then, Sort of these two main pieces, and, and a lot of the 18xx family emphasize stock or operations to some extent. Sometimes they're pretty equal. Um, and then there's this, uh, what, what, what's underneath it all is kind of uh, trains. And so there's a technology tree essentially baked into all 18xx. Oh, where, cool. Yeah, where the uh, higher the number of train that you buy, and so as you're, as you're buying these more technologically advanced trains, um, things open up. So you buy a train that then initiates the green phase. So it opens up more technology for building track and it opens up more options for, for doing things in terms of what your company can build. And, uh, it, and so the trains is another aspect and that's player driven. The, the, the game itself, actually, every phase is, is player driven, right? Can, can so, you explain, sorry for interrupting, but can you explain a term mm -hmm. that I've heard several 18xsers use about my trains are rusting out. Mm, the rusting, yes. So this is, you know, and I, th I think it's been helpful to think of the trains as a tech tree for me because um, as you're buying greater technology, you know, you're going from these coal-powered trains to diesel trains at the end, the, the old trains become defunct. They're obsolete. And so um, what happens is that the purchase of a type of train, it will a variety of terms that are used one of the lower trains is that have invested money in all that technology all of a sudden it's wiped off it's kind of useless for them right 
Oh, that would be frustrating. Absolutely. Yeah. And so there's a big tension in the game of, of keeping up with other companies. As long as companies are kind of at the same level, we all own the same type of trains, fine. But, you know, you kind of manipulate your moves like upgrading your tech to obsolete other people's tech, you know? Now, are you able to see that other players are in a situation where you can force them to have to upgrade and like economically just hurt them? Absolutely. Absolutely. Oh. Yeah. Because the way, the way the trains work is it's uh, you know, they go up numerically and you're always required to buy, you know, the, the currently available train. And so if you've obsoleted uh, someone's older trains and the newer trains are much more expensive then they might get caught in a position where they have to pay uh, all of their company's money. And then it falls onto the president of that company to pay out a pocket. Off. There are some ones that I was going to highlight um, often end in bankruptcies. <laughs> <laughs> so oh. it's uh yeah, it's, it's the, uh, it's the dance. That's what it is. Um, 1857 is particularly notorious for this. This is one set in Argentina that I, I've played a couple times now uh, this summer. And um, it's almost designed to end in bankruptcy. And, and if, you, if you think of those, those sort of three aspects, the trains, the stocks, and the operations, this game is like a, uh, a test subject for uh, figuring out how to, how to manage that tech tree, how to keep up with the race. And if you fall behind, you're done. Oh man. And it's quite, it's quite, I don't mind the bankruptcy in this case because it actually just ends the game. And in fact, um, the one game I played, I think I won by having about like $40 more than I started because, <laughs> you know, you could actually even win if you bankrupt yourself. Like there are ways and techniques to do it. Like it's, it's very fascinating. So it's not, it's not that it's just like this kind of player elimination, totally out of it. Some of the games are sort of designed so that you're trying to put someone into the position perhaps so that it actually works out into your advantage. So. Oh, okay. Well, I, I'm, I got, I got to play <clears throat> me some 18 XX and I think mm -hmm. my, I think my first, I've looked at this on the shelf so many times, but was the GMT edition. I think yeah. it was the 46, you said? 1846? Mm -hmm. Yeah. 1846. Yeah. And that's, uh, interestingly, I'm not sure if ever, <laughs> most people are aware, but 1846 was designed by Tom Lehman, which is the same guy who designed Race for the Galaxy. Galaxy. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Well, that's... Nice. So I love, Ra I, I love Race for the Galaxy. Oh, awesome. yeah. Race is... It. Brace is a masterpiece. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, okay. Well, yay. I, I got I to shut up though, because I mean, I could just go on and on about titles, but. Well, yeah. Wolf, Wolf, that's beautiful. Wolf I love, I love that. I love that passion. I, I, I like, I don't, if no one can actually see me, but I, I just, I just kind of sat back and I just kind of just listened and just, just the sheer amount of like joy in your voice as, oh, you're, yeah, as, you're, as you're talking about this. Like, Tell me more. <laughs> Tell yeah. me the story you know, about you know, trains, Luke. Here, I'll, t I'll tell you the one, one thing and then, I'll, and then I'll just pass it on here. But um, what I've really appreciated about 18xx is that you learn a basic rule set and that rule set carries over pretty much across all the titles. And then what you're doing is when you're, when you're learning a new one, it's kind of like you just need to learn this little cheat sheet. It's like, here's a few differences that drastically change the dynamics of the game in many cases. Here's a new geography, like a new map that we're going to work with. Um, and, and you sort of just have to learn a little bit, but you can, what you can do is you've been um, 
learning at a meta level strategies and techniques mm -hmm. and skills that are transferable in every single title. And I find that extremely compelling um, in a different way than every time I sit down for a heavier Euro game, I'm like, I have no idea how to play this. And this first <laughs> go, probably these first three, four goes are going to be just a like, eh, you know, blind kind of ex exploration, which is its own kind of fun. And I'll give it that. But what I've liked is uh, the more I play 18xx, the more I can jump into a new title, have that excitement of an exploration of something new while feeling like semi-competent, semi-confident that I'm, I'm able to employ some long-term strategies, which is like that other part of us gamers that, that yeah. there's, a, there's a rush going on there, you know? Yeah. What you've described, I've heard people describe of the Age of Steam. Yes. Where it's a system and then... I mean, how many maps do they have now in like the hundreds kind of thing? Mm -hmm. So yeah, that's Age of Steam. I'm I am so glad it's hard to find game because <laughs> you'd, 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 you'd buy deep. Oh yeah, the hook had set really deep and then just pull, right? Yeah. Um Ryan. Oh man. Okay, so I get one more. Absolutely. Okay. <laughs> I'll just hide. I'm going to touch on a, a few of the games that I did play, and then I'm going to dive deep into uh, in, into one of them. Like I, I got in lots. I got lots of plays in this summer. Like uh, mm. uh, my wife and I discovered like Istanbul Dash Warfenspiel, which is the, the dice, dice game. game. We've absolutely been and been I loving that. that one with you. Yeah, it's a great game. Yeah. Um. Uh. I I managed to get to the table a few times. Founders of Gloomhaven. Oh. Um, that, that 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 pre that prequel to Gloomhaven. It's mm -hmm. a fantastic mm -hmm. little city building game. Um. Managed to get a couple games of Arkwright in. Oh um, yeah, I played one of those with you, Luke. That's the one you missed out on. I know. Um, my, 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 my regular gaming group, we've been continuing our pandemic legacy season two campaign. Um, my wife uh, just recently got me for our anniversary. I got Ar Arkham horror, the card game. Oh, I saw you putting stuff on Twitter. Yeah. Uh, but, but the one that bit me really big this summer that I managed to get the most plays in was, um, the, the, the new collectible card game, uh, Dragon Ball super. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Is, here comes the addiction people. Well, I, I'm not. I'm not going to take a lot of time about it because it's like it's like it, yeah, it's 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 a niche. I, I haven't been part of a collectible card game in a really really long time, like since like like um, my university days when I used to play Magic the Gathering, um, and then I got kind of got out of that scene a little bit, and then I saw fads and trends come in. They they still exist like Yu-Gi-Oh and Pokemon. Now Dragon Ball, of course, based off the very popular um, anime and manga series um, out of Japan. Uh, now they have a card game. It's only about a a year and a half old now, and uh, I I'm I don't know I just like the synergy that they've created with the cards. It's a very young game right now, so it's it's very vulnerable right now. They're doing a lot of things to fix the game, um, so it's just like your basic collectible card game where you have to build, you have to buy booster packs and booster boxes, and some cards are more rare than others, and some are like super rare, some are. Really, and they're some cards are more powerful. You build a deck of fifty cards. Um, what's unique about this one too is that you have like like a leader card. You have a guy. You have a care. You control a character. They've got some sort of special ability. And then what you're trying to do is with your cards, you're just trying to knock your opponent down um, from eight life down to down to zero life. Um, now, unlike like Magic the Gathering uh, in Dragon Ball Super, there's no there's no like energy. 
mm-hmm. but but there is um yeah, every card can either be used as its ability or it can be used as its um as an energy you chart you charge it as a card so you've pretty much said for the rest of the game this card is useless to me other than i can use it to play other cards which i thought was actually really really kind of cool and really kind of neat um I'm just going to say like I played it I played this a ton. I've got a whole bunch of decks built. I actually can proudly say that I own every single card in the game. <laughs> That's right. As of right now. Um I actually own four copies of every card in the game because to build a, a a standard deck, you can you can incorporate up to four cards of a certain type. And so um, I actually own four of every single card that's been released so far. So it's it's bit it's bit me hard. So I can build mm-hmm. any deck that I want. Well, which I and- love. And you cannonballed so deep into this pool that you are a sanctioned judge. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I took the judge exam so I can judge like regional events and host my own tournaments and and all those kind of jazz. And I I get special bonuses and prizes because I can I can actually I can do that kind of thing. And wow. um, we we hope we host we've been hosting tournaments <laughs> regularly at Amazing Stories here in Saskatoon mm-hmm. now. And uh, we started building quite a, a nice community. There's about 12 active players right now, and there been we've been dragging more and more people into this community. Yeah, that's solid. Which is really which is really good for a collectible card game that is so young. You need to build a community around it. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, yeah, and there's new sets just coming out um, later this month too. They're supposed to be. We have some real balance issues right now. in in the game, there's there's people have lashed on that. There's like three or four leader cards that are way overpowered yeah and you, you can build a deck around it and you can pretty much if you build one of these decks you just go on youtube found somebody who's built one if you can build it yourself you can win the game pretty much so until they've corrected some of these balance issues it's probably going to stay very fragile right now but you've but you've indicated that they are on top of that and they are attempting to do these repairs so to me yeah. that just that's like just commitment. like magic gathering in the very like they're going to start doing things like um like we're going to start seeing um um certain sets are going to be like not tournament legal anymore like if you have cards from this particular early set yeah you can't use those anymore you can only use these certain sets so they're going to start blocking it off i've heard the same uh, rule scenarios with uh, l5r Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> I love that one too. Did I? Did I hit another nerve? <laughs> that one I haven't played as as much because that was that you one's such a. You neglected your L five R. Yeah, that's that one. Just usually ends up being me playing by myself against myself <laughs> <laughs> type of deal. But that's such a fantastic game. But Dragon Ball Super, and this is just because it's nostalgia for me too. As uh, this is something that I. Um, absolutely adored when I was a kid, and in in my in my um, early and late teens, like it was just that hey, Dragon Ball's on, Dragon Ball Z, Dragon now, Ball. Because I because you told me that you have this this connection with the the IP, um, and you've got all the cards and the care has has their approach to this IP. Um, does it get your approval? Like, did they do a good job with oh. with the? Yeah, they they did they did actually really good because one of the neat mechanics of the game is that your leader card has two sides. There's like a a standard side, and then if you get beaten up enough, you can call what they call awaken. You flip your card over, and now you can really really powerful. Like just like in the show, they keep they keep getting beat up, beat up more and more. They keep getting shots after shots until they just awaken with rage and anger and then they become like super powerful 
go into berserker mode. And so then you flip this card over, you become ultra powerful. Now you can actually do more things usually. And it's a really neat game. Um, I always say that it's at a really good stage right now that if you're interested in Dragon Ball and you're interested in collectible card games, it's at a really good entry point right now. There's not cool. that many. Like when I say like I own all the cards in the game, like we're, we're talking about there, there, there's less than a thousand cards right now, which is a very small. <laughs> <laughs> For those uh, of you that didn't see that, uh, I just about fell out of my chair. <laughs> But but it, but it, but it's true. Like for a collectible card game, for the pool of cards to be less than a thousand, it's it's very young. Right. Entry points are important with that kind of thing. I, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, and they got they they did a really good job with their starter sets. So you can just buy a starter deck of cards, and it's they're really really good for getting people to learn the game and and get off the ground running and playing the game too. So, hmm. Dragon Ball Super, I've played it a bazillion times. Actually, normally even see me. I play it at school with my students too. Oh yeah, yeah. The kingpin. Enter yep. Mr. Rao with the deck. That what are you, the the turn one K deck? T one K, T two K. Turn one. I can kill you in turn one, or I can kill you in turn two. <laughs> Man, that just sounds like a bunch of good fellas. It's <laughs> and that those decks are the example of the meta is way too fast right now. It needs some balancing issues. Hmm. Um, things need to be good because no one wants to watch somebody take a turn for 20 minutes and then just end right. end the game because you had they hadn't got a chance to play yet yeah so well i, so I love hearing I keep, that you're you're developing this community here ryan i think that's, that's so cool. what i love the most yeah yeah that yeah so we've and we so we've been meeting um thursday nights regularly just to just you know just play and then usually saturdays have been tournament days cool so Just like every new year, everybody has New Year's resolutions. So um, in this new season of Cardboard Conjecture, we're going to have uh, we're board game season resolutions. So, um, ju yeah, just like New Year's resolutions, what are you going to try to do this year that you, you've done differently than last year, Ryan? Um, so my big thing is that I want to be more interactive with the with our audience of like one listener. <laughs> yeah. Oh, here, here's my joke because we have this Luke. We have this ongoing joke about our one listener. I think I've given him a name, Juan. Juan. Oh He's gosh. our Juan listener. <laughs> I'm here all week. Try the veal. All right. So back to you, Ryan. So I, I just want to be a little bit more interactive. I'm going to be a little bit more uh, visible on Twitter. I'm going to be doing like polls, like of what, like games that I've been playing. What do they want to hear about? Um, I've got one that's going right now. I've got four options on Twitter of what people are like. Like right now, founders of Gloomhaven is like taking off. I voted if for they want to hear my thought, they want to hear my thoughts <laughs> about on that. Um, I'm gonna try to keep up to date with our board game geek guild. Um, now, if I was a more well prepared person, I would have actually had the uh, guild number uh, ahead 3039. of three zero three nine. Guild number three zero three nine. Rolls off the tongue beautifully. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, so that so that's my goal is just to be a little bit more interactive with our, with our audience. All right. Um, now, if do you have a secondary one as regards to um, types of games that you want to explore, or because oh. as we said, our gaming starts to become refined, our tastes start to shift <laughs> and stuff. So, so well, I'm 
I'm still probably going to kind of represent that cult of the new aspect of our podcast. Um, my goal is probably to start plowing through these millions of Kickstarter games that are showing up my, at my door that have remained in shrink wrap. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I hear you. I so yeah, I hear got, you. Like I've got Rise of Tribes. I've got Minerva. I've got, oh my gosh, Tiny oh, Epic Zombies just came. Have you, Heroes have of you... Lancy and Air. No, I haven't played that yet. Man. Like, All right. Well, those are two good mm-hmm. resolutions. Luke, I'm going to pitch this one to you now. Do you have okay. some board gaming resolutions for this year? <clears throat> I think I want to keep on the pace that uh, I've had in summer. I want to continue to dive deeper into classics. Like we were mm-hmm. talking about Canizia. I just I want to find those classics also that I haven't played, and I want to table them. Dominant Species, top of the list right there. Okay. Um, Tigris and Euphrates. Never played it. So that's why I'm also curious of the yellow and Yangtze. Come on over. I've, El, Gra- I've never El Grande. Played. Never played El Grande. I'm just oh. throwing this out there. We have to <laughs> fix that. Yeah. So I've got, I've got a, I've got a bunch of black holes in my gaming experience that I'd like to fill. And if, if they hit the right buttons, I want to dive deep into those things. Oh, nice. So nice. I'm, I'm interested in, I'm interested in games worthy of study right now that's kind of where i'm going and uh, of course that includes 18xx um and and it, with 18xx my collection's growing ever so slightly uh but i i want to continue getting those ones that are sort of surfacing to the top even within this little niche because there are some that are just fabulous absolutely oh. fabulous so yeah that's kind of my gaming um yeah resolution i suppose now um uh, same thing with ryan is there a spectrum of the cardboard genre that that you kind of you know want to have a quick glance at or maybe test the waters that you've you know like my, like you had said the escape room stuff that yeah, yeah my actually my, i would love to yeah sorry hey, Ryan, go right ahead. no like my my big thing right now has been um um campaign style games and things that take multiple sessions in order to complete the complete like 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 a story arc or mm-hmm. something like that like arkham horror the card game has really drawn my attention into that big story narrative and you can play it over as a series of camping um i got the scythe expansion rise of fenris that is meant to be played over an eight game campaign uh, i want to i want to explore into that i want to get i want to get star wars imperial assault back to the table <sighs> So this is funny because I hear a lot of people saying, okay, I've got my regular game night on this night and I got uh, the, you know, game, you know, this thing on this night, I need to create a campaign night because I have to do some, right. (laughs) And, and I still need to finish Gloomhaven. I haven't finished Gloomhaven yet. Case pitching it back to Luke genres or or areas that you want to, and we left off with the whole escape room stuff. Yeah. And honestly, Ryan, what you were talking about with, uh, I'll throw detective in there as well. Um, that, that stuff interests me. I've, I've been always on the edge. I think it's like, you know, we only have so much time often. I, I you know, I'm a, I'm a dad of two little ones and mm-hmm. it's like the evening time. Uh, you know, what do I choose? What do I choose to do? And, uh, I'd say I probably could get out of my rut also, as much as I'm saying, diving deeper into classics and games worthy of study, I would love to actually have that, that different kind of more, uh, I'm just fully present in an experience kind of game, like a, an escape room or a detective piece. And I think that's something that would go over well with like my wife and another couple or something like that. And that, that's mm-hmm. something I'd love to do. Yeah. yeah. That's what we, so found. You, that's what we found is the big success. Like um, 
um they're, they're like my <clears throat> wife is not not a gamer per se and couples that we hang out with don't play like games hobby games and but when i bring out when i introduce this idea of this escape room it it seems it seems to reach a, a large group of people which is mm-hmm. i always which psychology i i find that's very interesting that this this mm-hmm. idea oh yeah. yeah i'm i'm a big fan of uh of observing behavior because it to a lot of the times it's so intriguing to see um how a game can you know pull the strings of certain people's behavior and certain people's um, uh, uh, engagement with, mm-hmm. with challenge. I love it. I mean, and that's that teacher part of me of, of I, I love watching the students um, reach these epiphany moments or reach these eureka moments and go, ah, right. And, and, and sit there and think that, you know, watch them and go, ah, there you go. Now you've made the connection and now you're never going to forget how you came to create that synaptic connection of of this equals that or this cause of this effect so yeah absolutely Mm -hmm. um for me new year's resolution i want to play the games that are on my shelf that i haven't played yet (laughs) your shelf of shame i like i i'm not shameful of it but it's just sort of like I got to slow down my ADD brain when it comes to, you know, the new stuff on the shelf. It's like, oh, I need it. I want it. I have to have it. And then put it right beside the one that's still in shrink wrap and go, oh, oh, mm-hmm. I feel bad because I, I that- you know, good old Catholic. I feel guilty because I, I'm neglecting this game that I haven't even popped the shrink wrap that, off. That, that meme that was going around where it's like, I have finally realized that buying board games and playing board games are com- two completely separate hobbies. Oh, Yeah. <laughs> absolutely so (laughs) yeah yeah yeah, and also i mean we had said it you know it recurred through the whole podcast about get back to the games that you know need more playtime, that need more exploration need more i want to try this strategy i want to try that strategy and i mean Mm -hmm. it comes down to and and i am like both of you guys um have, have kids and it's that situation of well, I could go back to this game and explore it, but there's this game on the shelf calling me time to play. Right. <laughs> and so I, to me, I, it's, I just want to be, I want to be a good board game owner and make sure they all have time on the- <laughs> 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 our little Mr. Rogers segment. Um, so that's the one big one for me. And I think the second one for me is, and again, it's so convenient that Luke is here I I want to start playing 18xx maybe. Let's do it. I don't know. I'm scared. I'm like I'm so scared, man. It's sort of like it's sort of like okay, stand but, on the highway while all this traffic's going and and like run. It's like it's, uh, well, I'm and, seeing and, and, I'm seeing like a you know an initiation week kind of thing that like they do at college here. So oh, I, th- I think we've got a we got a week or two of just like hitting I'll, those. Hitting I'll those either titles. come. I'll either come out of it. Uh, looking, you know, it's like, uh, you know, I went to, uh, 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 don't take this the wrong way, 18xxers, that I went to a cult meeting and I came out and I bought into the whole, yay, no more euros. But <laughs> um, I, oh I can't gosh. see that happening. But I think, I, there's I, so I much- think. I, I'm intrigued if you, with your fear of trying to like ex- tip your dip your toes into this. You're, you're, you're not, a, you're not a brand new gamer. You, you're, you're, you're able to process new rule sets very, very efficiently and very quickly. Um, this, this is just another. This is just another game that you're going to learn. I think. Uh, yeah, I think you got some the point there. Um, um, I do. 
I've had people refer to uh, me learning games and, and it's like, well, did you know, have you played this game before? No, but just start talking about it and I'll pick it up. Uh, I've had some people say, oh yeah, you've got like that matrix port in the back of your head that was just like, download the <laughs> rules and let's go. Um, Is the game's got card drafting? Okay, let's go. Yeah, oh, I was like, okay, yeah, I can figure out, I can watch what you're doing and how you're like scratching your chin thinking about that and I kind of can interpret what's going on in the game. Um, I've got to the point where I've played enough that, you know, I, I, I can navigate well through new sets of rules, which brings me to that 18xx, which is like, I mean, even in sports, um, I've always been attracted to sports. And, and once I found the, the, from, from my opinion, this elite level sport of field across, I basically no dip in the toe. I cannonballed in it. I ended up, you know, playing at a high efficient level that, I'm so scared that this might be the same thing with 18xx where my first experience, I might sit back and go, why was I waiting so long to play this game? This is awesome. And Luke, back me up on this one, man. You know what? I love, I love everything. That was great. (laughs) There's there's a lot of excitement brewing here. So yeah, Norm, it's, uh, it's good. 18xx, it, is honestly nothing to be intimidated by. I find it so much more graspable than your sort of average heavy Euro game. If you're going to sit, if you can sit down and learn a heavy Euro game in an evening that you're not familiar with, eating eggs is no problem. No okay, problem. Okay. Well, that's, yeah. Like, I mean, I, some, I told yeah. uh, Curtis, it's like, Oh yeah. Our great. And he's like, well, if you can absorb this, then you can do 18 XX. Quit being scared. And of course, I, was, I think oh, so. so sorry. Right. Totally. Like, Arc right intimidates me still. So, <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. There's, there's, I mean, if people exactly. want to like have hey, an image hey, in their I, head. Hey I, hey, I had to teach it. And like, <laughs> I was intimidated trying to teach it. And I was like, at the bare bones of it, it's not a complicated game. There's just a lot of little intricacies. That's all, oh, that, yeah. that's all it ended up being. So, yeah. yeah and you know what? With TNXX, like the more, the deeper you go, the more complex titles, it, it just takes more time to explain things because there's so much more chrome it's not mm-hmm. that you you know it, it, there's just details that's that's yeah. really well and you had said it it's a system that is familiar from game to game with different bells and whistles totally, totally. Yeah. yeah cool well, well guys this was wonderful i think we've i think we've pretty much uh, had a good go at uh, episode yeah. one <laughs> This, 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 there's enough content here for like five episodes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> this, this, um, this, was a, this was a long one, guys. It was. So um, I will take a cue that uh, we'll wrap this up and we'll we'll get to the uh, closing part. I want to thank Luke. Luke, Luke, and I, Luke and I have got little kids that are going to wake up really, really early. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, it's, yeah. it's painful. Yeah. And uh, I, I'm a night owl, so I still got about, you know, two, three more hours of stuff to do around the house. <laughs> Um, Gloomhaven. Uh, yeah. Oh, it's right behind me. I right can see your little. There. I can see your little Gloomhaven uh, shelf right behind you. That right there is my Gloomhaven. Forget the like, you know, box insert. I just went to uh, the local hardware store and got a wall-mounted bits and bobs storage <laughs> unit. It's awesome. Um, all right, boys. This was awesome. Uh, um, the hiatus is over. I am so glad that we're getting this the season two off and going Ryan. Thank you. Luke. Thank you. Um, Thanks for having me. Yeah. So that that is, that is another episode of cardboard conjecture. Thank you for listening. I'm Norm. 
Oh, I'm Ryan. <laughs> and, and I'm Luke. <laughs> we'll get that polished. We'll get that polished. All right, man. It's late, guys. Take care, everybody. Thank you. Take care. We're Bridge City Board Gamers, and you can find us on Twitter at BC Board Gamers, on our YouTube channel, Bridge City Board Gamers, where you can find our podcasts, Cardboard Conjecture and Cardboard in the Classroom, and our Facebook page, Saskatoon Tabletop Games Community.